0: Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Post Holdings 4th Quarter 2023 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 11 on your telephone. You will then hear an automated message advising your hand is raised. To withdraw your question, please press star 11 again. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Daniel O'Rourke, Investor Relations for Post Holdings. Please go ahead.
1: Good
2: morning, and thank you for joining us today for Post's fourth quarter fiscal 2023 earnings call. I'm joined this morning by Jeff Zaddix, our Chief Chief Operating Officer and Interim CEO, and Matt Maynard, our CFO and Treasurer. Jeff and Matt will make prepared remarks, and afterwards, we'll answer your questions. The press release that supports these remarks is posted on both the investors and the SEC filing section of our website and is also available on the SEC's website. As a reminder, this call is being recorded and an audio replay will be available on our website at postholdings.com. Before we continue, I would like to remind you that this call will contain forward-looking statements which are subject to risks and uncertainties that should be carefully considered by investors as actual results could differ materially from these statements. These forward-looking statements are current as of the date of this call, and management undertakes no obligation to update these statements. This call will discuss certain non-GAAP measures. For a reconciliation of these non-GAAP measures to the nearest GAAP measure, see our press release issued yesterday and posted on our website. We are also joined this morning by Rob Vitale, our President and CEO. Rob would like to give a few opening remarks. However, he will not be participating in the question and answer session. Rob, the floor is yours.
3: Good morning. Uh, This call, as uh, Daniel indicated, is being hosted by Jeff and Matt. I'm only gonna make a few comments and then I will head out. First, we had a great 2023 and we are well positioned to succeed in 2024. That's for Jeff and Matt to describe. What I wanna discuss is a bit more personal. Uh, Since I became CEO, I've attempted to be as candid with you as possible. I will not change that now. Recently, doctors discovered and successfully removed a malignant tumor. I feel great and I've been participating in calls all along. However, I will now require a regimen of uh, radiation and chemotherapy. I am told this could wipe out my energy level for a period of time. While I am getting this treatment, Jeff will continue as interim CEO. I have total confidence in him. He has been my partner from day one. And I mean that quite literally. We started on the same day in 2011. He has been instrumental in every decision we have made. Further, you've long heard me tout our holding company structure. Its value is, is now more apparent than ever. Our business operations have outstanding leaders and won't miss a beat. And I intend to participate as much as I am able. And honestly, that's more for my benefit than the company. I suspect I will just be a nuisance. So now I'm going to leave and turn the call over to Jeff and Matt But one last thing before I do, I cannot express enough my gratitude for the outpouring of well wishes I have received. From all, from you, from POST employees, from so many unexpected places, it has been quite
4: overwhelming. I thank you all. Jeff. Thanks, Rob. I know I speak for everyone at POST and everyone else on the call when I say that we hope your treatment goes well and we're eager for your full-time return. Before I begin my comments on the performance of the business, I would like to share that out of respect for Rod's privacy, we will not be responding to questions or providing additional information concerning his health and treatment. Now, turning to our business, 2023 was a fantastic financial year as we achieved a step change in adjusted EBITDA, increasing 28% over the prior year. This was driven by exceptional food service results, which reflected volume growth and mixed improvement enhanced by a non-recurring avian influenza pricing benefit. Additionally, we had a very strong start to our entry in the pet food category and recaptured some profit margin in our domestic retail businesses through pricing, significant improvement in labor availability, and supply chain performance. We believe this level of consolidated adjusted EBITDA is sustainable as we look to fiscal 2024. While the AI pricing benefit has fallen away, We will benefit from a full year of pet food and profit growth in all of our other retail businesses before I talk in more detail about each of our segments I want to spend a few minutes on how we view the state of the consumer the combination of inflation higher interest rates reduced snap benefits restart of student loan payments and lower savings has caused consumers to pull back on shopping trips in addition consumers are being more selective with their spend often trading down within a category or shifting into more value categories. At the same time, we are seeing consumers prioritize convenience and on the go, especially in breakfast. When we think about these consumer trends in the context of our own business, we believe our diversification serves us well as we have meaningful exposure to value products in domestic and international cereal and US pet food. Convenience through our side dish business and out of home through food service. For our premium branded retail products, we plan targeted investment behind our category-leading brands like Pebbles, Weedabix, and Bob Evans to help us retain core consumers, drive trial, and incremental volume. Moving to our segments and starting with food service, we delivered another outside's quarter fueled by the last of our temporary AI pricing premium. Through volume growth and mix improvement, we now estimate the sustainable quarter- quarterly level of adjusted EBITDA for this business to be approximately $95 million before any impact from the ready-to-drink shake manufacturing, which is expected to come online in December. We continue to focus on improving manufacturing and supply chain to support volume growth, serve the business better, and lower costs. Shifting to PCB and starting with our pet food business, our first five months of ownership have far exceed, uh, have far out exceeded our expectations as strong manufacturing performance allowed us to meaningfully increase our order fill rates reduce out of stocks and replenish our customer serve, customer inventories these variables along with lower cost of sales and sgna drove profit well above our underwriting case as a reminder we will see a pullback in this run rate in fiscal 2024 as we make necessary investments in advertising and headcount and begin moving production off the co-manufacturing agreement with Smuckers. We expect to continue to operate meaningfully above our acquisition case, just not at the level seen in these first five months. The acquisition of Perfection PET, which we expect will close later in our first fiscal quarter, will enhance our flexibility through its capabilities, geography, and capacity, and greater exposure to private label and co-manufacturing. The U.S. cereal category remained under pressure with volumes down 6% in the quarter. Our expectation is that the category will return to its pre-pandemic volume trends as we lap the pullback of SNAP benefits in March. From a share perspective, we were the only branded share gainer this quarter, ending the quarter at 19.6%. Consumers continue trading down to value in private label products, and we are well positioned to capture this move given our strong share in these subcategories. While still below premium branded cereal, our profit margins on value and private label products have meaningfully increased over the past several years. We continue to be pleased with with the performance of our Peter Pan brand on a two year basis, which removes the effect of the GIF recall last year. Peter Pan has grown its dollar market share by 90 basis points. Turning to Weavix, the macro environment in the UK continues to be challenged. Similar to US cereal, we are capturing trade down into private label, albeit at lower margins. UPIC continues to perform quite nicely, and while still small, is becoming a more meaningful component of the business. When we acquired the refrigerated retail business, it was characterized by strong demand growth with supply-side challenges. During 2023, we improved supply, but experienced a pullback in demand due to elasticities from our inflation-driven pricing. Despite the pullback in demand, we exceeded our adjusted EBITDA expectations for the year with strong manufacturing performance and cost control. Before I turn the call over to Matt, I'd like to make a couple of comments on capital allocation. We continue to actively evaluate M&A opportunities. However, with the challenging capital market backdrop, there is a high bar to clear. Outside of M&A, we remain active in share repurchases and debt repayment, and we have a robust pipeline of value-enhancing capital projects. In closing, I know I speak for Rob in thanking all of our employees for a very successful 2023. The strength of our operating model, our diverse product offerings, and our exceptional management teams give me confidence in our 2024 plans.
5: With that, I'll turn the call over to Matt. Thanks, Jeff, and good morning, everyone. Fourth quarter consolidated net sales were $1.9 billion and adjusted EBITDA was $349 million. Net sales increased 23% driven by the newly acquired pet food business. Excluding pet, overall retail volumes declined as pricing elasticities persisted and shifted volume to our private label offerings, although not enough to offset declines in our branded products. Food service volumes were down slightly as we lapped a very strong quarter and experienced volume headwinds due to the timing of some egg shipments. Our supply chain performance and custom order fill rates continue to improve across the business. However, we still have pockets of opportunity in both. Inflation moderated in the quarter, especially in freight costs. And then finally, we saw increased SCN&A across the business as we made targeted marketing investments in our retail businesses and had increased employee incentives given the strong consolidated performance. Turning to our segments is starting with post-consumer brands. Excluding the benefit of the pet food acquisition, net sales increased 3% and volumes decreased 6%. Average net pricing, excluding pet food, increased 10% driven by pricing actions. We saw a continued volume growth in private label cereal, which was offset by declines in peanut butter and branded cereal. Segment adjusted EBITDA increased 27% versus prior year, as we benefited from the contribution of the newly acquired pet food business and improved net pricing. Weedabix net sales increased 16% year over year, benefited by a a lapping of a weaker British British pound in the prior year, which led to a foreign currency translation tailwind of approximately 800 basis points. On a currency neutral basis, net sales increased 7%, which was attributable to list price increases. Volumes increased 2%, driven by growth in UFIT and private label. Segment adjusted EBITDA decreased 33% versus prior year, driven by discretionary investments in the business afforded to us by the strength across our portfolio. We continue to expect the challenging macro environment in the UK to keep our margins compressed, although improving incrementally throughout the fiscal year. Food service net sales and volume declined 9% and 1% respectively. Revenue reflects the effect of lower grain costs in our commodity pass-through model and winding down the temporary AI price premium in the quarter. Adjusted EBITDA increased about 7% driven by AI pricing premium and a lingering benefit of lower cost inventory accumulated in Q3, which enabled us to fill egg demand at a favorable cost. Refrigerated retail net sales and volumes decreased 6% and 8% respectively. The decline in net sales was driven by lower volumes and was partially offset by increased average net pricing in the portfolio Side dish volumes decreased 9%, reflecting price elasticities and a customer, excuse me, consumer shift to private label. Segment adjusted EBITDA decreased 14%, primarily due to lower volumes and an increased discretionary investments. Improving commodity and freight markets and improved plant leverage were favorable offsets. Turning to cash flow. In the fourth quarter, we generated $270 million from continuing operations, which is up significantly versus prior year and driven by improved profitability and a decrease in net working capital. One key tenet of our value algorithm is strong free cash flow, and we saw a return to just that in the second half of the fiscal year, driving us to approximately $450 million for the full year. This strong free cash flow combined with our step change in adjusted EBITDA drove our net leverage down a full turn from 4.6. I'm sorry, from 5.6 at the end of fiscal 22 to 4.6 at the end of this fiscal year. This reduction in leverage was achieved in spite of essentially converting our $1.2 billion pet food acquisition to a cash deal as our share repurchases during the fiscal year diffused 4.4 million of the 5.4 million shares issued to Smuggers. Speaking of share repurchase, in the quarter we repurchased 1.6 million shares at an average price of $87.52 per share. In addition, we purchased approximately $150 million worth of our debt at an average discount of 13%. Capital expenditures in the quarter were approximately $100 million, driven by the expansion of our Norwalk, Iowa pre-cooked egg facility and a new protein shake co-manufacturing facility. Before we get to Q&A, I have just a couple of comments on our fiscal 2024 guidance. On a consolidated basis, we expect in FY24, our quarterly adjusted EBITDA cadence to be quite balanced across the year as variations between our segments offset each other. Specifically for Q1 and relative to Q4 FY23, there will be a pullback in adjusted EBITDA in both food service and post-consumer brands that will be partially offset by increases in refrigerated retail and Weetabix. As Jeff mentioned, we expect food service to normalize in the mid-90s and we will begin making the necessary investments in our pet food business around marketing, SCNA and and insourcing of production. Further, we expect lower total PCB volumes as cereal benefited in Q4 from back-to-school seasonality, and pet volumes benefited from moving customers off allocation. For refrigerated retail, we will have a seasonality benefit from the holidays, and then for Weetabix, we expect to realize some benefits from our Q4 investments. Finally, our CapEx guidance includes several profit-enhancing projects within food service and PET. For food service, we have the continuation of the pre-cooked expansion, which started last year, and the beginning of additional cage-free conversion needed to meet customer requirements. For PET, we begin making capital investments anticipated in our acquisition underwriting case around improving plant quality and safety, expanding capacity, and establishing independent R&D capabilities. Thanks for joining us today, and with that, I will turn the call back over to the operator.
0: Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 1-1 one, one on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 one, one again. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from the line of Andrew Lazar with Barclays. Your line is now open.
6: Great. Good morning, everybody.
0: Good
6: morning. Andrew. Um, and also uh, thanks to Rob for his update, um, you know, my thoughts are, are with him and his family as he goes through the treatment, and i um, looking forward to having him back uh, looking uh, very soon. Um, so I guess my question is really just trying to think through what the margin and run rate of PET looks like at this stage and sort of what that means for fiscal 24. Just sort of some some back-of-the-envelope math, you know, if we put... A 25% EBITDA margin on, on PCB sales, excluding PET. Um, that would suggest to me about $150 million of EBITDA for PCB, excluding PET, in the quarter. Um, so the $405 million of PET sales, I guess, then would contribute about $49 million of EBITDA or maybe a 12% EBITDA margin. Um, if that math is close, obviously, as you guys have mentioned, that, that's way ahead of the acquisition case model, certainly, of, um, of $100 million of EBITDA. Annually, or, or a seven percent margin. Um, so just that on its own, I guess would suggest Post is tracking more towards, you know, maybe 180 or 200 million in EBITDA annually for from this business in 24. Now I realize I don't think that even includes some cost synergies that start to come into play. But as you mentioned, you're going to start to reinvest more heavily in the business. So I guess I'm just trying to get a sense of whether that math seems about right, and then. What, what you can say about the the magnitude or, or the, the, the sort of investment that you might be making that would sort of be an offset to that in 24 thanks so much
4: yeah Andrew um, so first off uh, your numbers are certainly in the ballpark uh, as we said in our uh, prepared remarks the, the the pet food business is perform- performing extraordinarily well uh, The run rate in fourth quarter has a couple of things that we would call uh, isolated to the fourth quarter. As Matt mentioned in his prepared remarks, uh, because of the ability to improve output from the manufacturing uh, facilities. We went from, when when we inherited the business, the fill rates were in the 70% range. We were able to get fill rates closer to the low 90s uh, because of that performance. So inherent in that is there's a, a pipeline fill to replenish inventories at our customers, get uh, product on shelves, uh, and that won't repeat itself. So there's, there's margin uh, in revenue that, that won't repeat. Uh, on top of that, we've mentioned that we need to uh, invest in advertising uh, I don't know that we've talked about the order of magnitude but it's it's you know more than a few million dollars it's it's uh, 15 20 million dollars uh, on an annualized basis is probably the, the ballpark for that uh, and then uh, the expectation is that our SG&A is unsustainable uh, the support costs as we're trying to fill positions as we transition off of the TSA services from smucker we're not in a position in the fourth quarter where we could sustain a business on a long-term basis, so we're, we need to add more resources in that area, uh, and it's going to be a you know, comparable impact to those other variables I described. So when you add those three things up, or four things up, it's meaningful reduction from our current run rate, but still an expectation that we're going to be well above the underwriting case when we get to the other side.
6: Right. That's really helpful caller. Thanks so much. I'll
0: pass it on.
4: Thanks,
6: Andrew.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Ken Goldman with J.P. Morgan. Your line is now open.
7: Uh, thank you. And I will uh, echo Andrew's sentiment. Rob, it's good to hear your voice and, and best wishes for a, a full recover, recovery uh, as soon as possible. Um, I, I wanted to ask just to follow up on the question on pet food um, and in terms of some of the margin uh, puts and takes. Um, you know. When you do add back some of the SGNA spending, when you consider some of the one-time nature of of the fourth quarter uh, margin benefits, you know it does obviously leave leave a pretty low still uh, run rate EBITDA margin for now. Um, and I guess one of the questions I've received is is why is Post spending more on advertising? Um, I guess now the numbers out there, 15 to 20 million, uh, at this time, rather than maybe wait a little bit until the returns. Uh, on those advertising spending, uh, or not advertising spending, is a little better after some of the um, margins have been improved. Or maybe the answer is there's just you know enough slack capacity that just filling the plants, uh, you know, uh, with more volume is helping us. So I just kind of wanted to get a sense of that strategic uh, thinking there in terms of advertising and the timing of it.
4: Sure, uh, it's a function of the health of the the two brands that we're, are going to be the focus of that advertising. Our premium brands, the Nutrish and uh, Nature's Recipe, uh, are typically the uh, high-margin contributors to the portfolio, and it's those brands that uh, need to be repositioned. And we believe, and and frankly, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the Nielsen data, you can see that those brands are uh, struggling the most with uh, volume trends. So for the long-term health of the uh, of that business, we need to get those two brands uh, stabilized first and then uh, returning to some modicum of, of growth. And we believe uh, that they are brands that will respond to the advertising. So the first thing we wanted to do is make sure that we would be able to meet demand uh, through stability of the manufacturing footprint before we started investing back in the brands. We also wanted to uh, do our own analysis of the positioning of the brand and come up with a fulsome uh, and thoughtful uh, program. Uh, And that's what our intent is to uh, implement in 2024. But the the, the punchline is these two brands are the the margin drivers long term for the business and we need them to be healthy and we think that they deserve uh, a greater level of investment than uh, than we've been uh, putting into it these first five months.
7: Thank you for that. And then a quick follow-up. Uh, if you said this, I, I must have missed it, but um, it was only last quarter when you talked about um, a more normalized food service uh, EBITDA of about 90, you know, prior to uh, the new plant coming online. I, I think you raised it to 95 today. I wasn't quite sure why that was done. And again, I may have, um, I may just not have heard it, but if you could elaborate a little bit on why the 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 increase to 95 and what you're seeing in the business that gives you that confidence? Um, that would be helpful
4: Yeah th- to, to be perfectly blunt. There's a lot of noise in the numbers uh, so we were hesitant to raise the, the, the bar on a run rate basis until we got more clarity as to how much was uh, being driven by the improvements in the mix of, of the business Versus these temporary price adders and other market dynamics, uh, and through uh, the, the fourth quarter, we think we have a much clearer visibility as to what that run rate is, and that gives us confidence in the in the comment we made today to say that it's 95 million dollars. Uh, there's still clearly a lot of uh, one-time and, and transitory uh, effects in this quarter, but through the analysis that we've done over the this fiscal year, we got a lot more confidence that the the uh, the watermark has been raised for that business on a go forward basis.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of David Palmer with Evercore ISI. Your line is now open
8: Thanks. Uh, wishing you a, a quick and full recovery, Rob, and thanks for your comments. Um, Jeff and Matt, uh, just a sort of a, a different angle on uh, Andrew's question on post-consumer brands. Uh, that, the EBITDA for that segment, the margin ap- um, approached 20% in that quarter. You know, typically that's a little se- – seasonally it's maybe even lower than average for what a given year would be. I and, know and obviously a lot of changes are happening with the reinvestment that you'll be making in marketing. Um maybe some in-house uh production shifts and so i'm wondering is that is that a good starting point for margin for for this next year how, how should we think about a margin standpoint for for post consumer brands in in 24.
4: the uh so w- 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 grocery so the cereal and uh peanut butter business we think normalized is you know, low 20s, low to mid 20s margin. Uh, The pet food business, as Andrew alluded to, we inherited at 7%, but we think that long term it can be certainly a teens uh, or above. Uh, In 24, we're not gonna get fully to bright, but uh, you know, we would expect to be able to be around the the, uh, low teens in that business.
8: So I, 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 I can do the math there. That business is maybe a fifth of the business. Maybe approaching twenty might make sense this next year. Is that uh, how you're thinking about this this next year? That or maybe yeah. what's you're, your consistent yeah. with your guidance? Yes, yeah. yeah. so, yeah. so, yes,
4: you're you're in the ballpark.
8: And then and then it's on the volume side, organic volume and this next year. You talked about reinvesting. Uh, in promotion to stabilize the core business uh, outside of pet, but you're also talking about trade down and fewer trips out there. I mean, how should you? How should how are you thinking about the prospects for stabilizing volume in, in 24 and p- post-consumer so, so brands? You're,
4: you're talking about cereal now.
8: C- cereal, please. Yes.
4: Yeah. yeah. So our our view of the category, as we said in our remarks, is that it, it's going to be challenged. Uh, it, uh, Perhaps, maybe I should say even more challenged than normal until we lap the SNAP uh, benefit decline that occurred in uh, March of 2023. Uh, but then we expect to return to the pre-pandemic levels of you know flat to down a couple of percent. Uh, as we plan for uh, 24 for our business, we uh, use those category dynamics uh, as a baseline. Uh, we believe that we can perform somewhat better than that, but we're, we're not counting on volume growth in our plan for next year. We would expect that there's going to be uh, some, some volume declines, in fact, uh, until we get to Fulbright on stabilization. Thank you. But, so not quite as bad as the, as the category, but uh, still slightly down.
8: Thanks again.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Matt Smith with Stiefel. Your line is now open.
9: Hi, good morning. I'll I'll start by extending my well wishes to Rob and and Jeff and Matt, if I could ask a follow-up question on food service. So volumes were down this quarter. Was that reflective of comparing against some elevated volume in the prior year due to the avian influenza dynamic, or are you seeing lower traffic in, in outlets that use your value-added eggs. And then as a follow-up to that, given, given the stickiness of the mix shift to higher value-added products, are you seeing competition pick up in that area of the business? Are you seeing more competitive bidding processes or, or other egg producers putting in capital to compete in this, in this higher mix category of value-added eggs?
4: So the, to the first part of your question, uh, there there is some of what you described that's driving the decline this year. We, we were able in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter of last year to take advantage of AI uh, impacting our competitors sooner than it impacted us. So we were able to pick up some volume uh, that wouldn't have been our normal volume. Uh, also, as Matt said in his comments, there was some timing in this quarter uh, that that will will we expect will leak into the first quarter of uh, 24 uh, but th- your comment about AI last year was a uh, certainly a variable with regard to competition I, there's always been competition in in uh, pre-cooked which which is our you know our, our margin driver as you know in eggs uh, we're by far the leader in the in the category we continue to be the leader in the category we're not seeing really a a huge amount of change uh, at that end of the spectrum I would say the there's probably more competition at the lower margin uh, side of the of the equation at the higher end Uh, so I, I would say that it's comparable to what it has been we continue to have the majority of the share Uh, For large-scale customers, it's difficult for them to get the volume from our competitors that they need. Uh, I I don't want to be too rosy about it. There's obviously competition, but uh, thus far, we've had a tremendous amount of success in maintaining our business and growing it, not only recently but over time.
9: Thanks for that, Jeff. I, I can leave it there and pass it on.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Michael Lavery with Piper Sandler. Your line is now open.
10: Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to touch on refrigerated retail margins. Um, I know in some, it's kind of a supply-constrained environment. You'd you'd um, relied more heavily on on external production. Where does that sit now? Those margins were 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 a little softer than we'd expected this quarter. Can you maybe touch on what some of the drivers are and and how to think about you know that bouncing back or not? And am I right that at least in sort of ordinary times, uh, the fourth quarter has a little bit of a seasonal lift? Uh, um, Can you just unpack some of the moving parts there?
4: Let Let me start with the second or the last part of that question first. Fourth calendar quarter, there is the seasonal lift for this, that segment, not fourth fiscal quarter. So the Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday are uh, the peak of seasonality for the side dish business. Uh, and in fact, uh, fourth fiscal quarter tends to be one of the lower periods of time for that segment. But to your, to the first part of your question, um, the bigger drivers for the margin this quarter from where you might have. Uh, thought they were going to land uh, was less about the co-packing volume and more about uh, the incremental investments that we made in the business. Uh, so between uh, incentives and uh, uh, advertising that we incrementally put back into the business, it was about a six or six to eight million dollar uh, hit to the fourth quarter margin in that business. So I think if you put that back in it would be much closer to what you were anticipating. Uh yeah. and then yeah. to you to just finish out the comment, you, you would expect to see a step change because of seasonality in the first fiscal quarter from where we ended the fourth fourth quarter in that segment.
10: Okay, great. That's helpful. And just on pet um I, can you confirm your your guidance excludes the perfection uh, pet foods deal and and can you just touch on what any update on timing and what contribution we should expect from that uh, when it does close uh,
4: so so confirming our numbers do not include that, so we will uh, likely with our first quarter earnings we will update. Uh, our we we will update our guidance assuming the transaction closes Uh, and in terms of timing uh, we expect it's going to close in this fiscal quarter so sometime between now and the end of the year uh, you can probably guess what's the most likely date Uh, but I don't want to
5: jump the gun there and there, I, I mean, was there another part of the question? I, I think just $25 million a year is what we called out oh, as the run rate of the EBITDA. That's unchanged.
10: Okay, great. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jason English with Goldman Sachs. Your line is now open.
1: Hey, good morning, folks. Thanks for slotting me in. Um, hey, Jason. And Rob, my thoughts are with you. Best wishes for speedy recovery. Um so to, to the business, um, congrats to the food service team and their execution, as well as the integration team on the pet food business. It's great to see that success. Um, some of the soft spots I'd rather focus there. I think you mentioned in prepared remarks you expect all retail businesses to be growing next year, but top and bottom line, um, we exited the year on a bit of a weak spot within refrigerated retail, and it suggests there's a price gap problem that you may have to invest in to close. So. Can you elaborate on, on what's going on there and how you get to a top and bottom line growth trajectory next year with, in light of those headwinds? And certainly on Weedabix, I, I know you mentioned some margin drive from trade down, but the margin step down this year has really been astounding, particularly in the fourth quarter. Can you unpack more of the drivers there and what's caused the weakness? Thank you. Yeah, so first of all, our, our comment was more focused
4: on EBITDA growth, so not necessarily top uh, and bottom line growth for those two businesses that you just described. Although for refrigerated retail, we do expect the side dish business to uh, to have revenue growth. Uh, so, so to repeat, uh, part of the response to Michael's question, uh, in refrigerated retail, the margin, uh, and frankly, this this comment applies to both businesses. Uh, they were the, they are the two businesses where our uh, products respond most favorably to advertising. They're the two businesses where we uh, put most of our incremental spending that we uh, previewed last quarter that we were able to do because of the outperformance of the rest of the business. So uh, in the fourth quarter, both uh, the refrigerated retail business and Weedabix had incremental spending uh, on advertising that uh, was a, was above a normal run rate level. In addition, within Weedabix, uh, there were uh, projects that we believe will kickstart uh, 2024 that we invested in uh, certain consulting activities for looking at our trade promotion and uh, the effectiveness of our trade promotion and also looking at ways that we can uh, improve the cost structure of that business. Uh, so, we would not expect those to uh, repeat at the same level in uh, in the go-forward periods. Um, to your to your the last part of your comment about uh, Weedabix, uh, so fourth quarter was artificially low, but you're, you're right. The the margin in that business has suffered more than the rest of our uh, portfolio. Uh, we attribute that to the fact that the UK environment is. Uh, uh, much has been much tougher than the US environment Uh, so that's part of the equation Uh, and we we are very premium products Uh, the Weedabix brand is a very premium product Uh, in the UK market if you track that uh, that market at all cereal has become 50% and actually slightly greater than 50% private label so much more dramatic move to value than we've seen here in the US. Uh, and what we need to do to get it back to uh, to closer to where we were pre-pandemic, is we believe we need to simplify the business, uh, we need to uh, have a renewed focus on cost reduction, uh, and we need to continue investing in the brand so that we maintain uh, the premium price points that uh, that enable us to generate the margins from that business. So the combination of those three things are the things that are going to be the the focus of
1: uh, our activities in 2024. Okay, I I appreciate all that color. And one more real quick tactical question. Um, CapEx, I feel like every year in the fourth quarter you guys give CapEx guidance for next year and I I have to revise my estimate higher, um, which is probably my own fault for continuously underestimating it. Um, Can you give us a a bit more line of sight? Like you gave us a level for this year. Should we expect that level to, to be kind of the run rate as we move forward, or
5: or could it move higher or lower? Yeah, Jason, we would expect a similar run rate through 25. Uh, A couple of these investments carry over into next fiscal year as well, so there's meaningful investment behind those.
1: Understood. Thanks, guys. I'll pass it on. Sure. Thank
5: you.
0: Thank you. We have reached the end of our question and answer session. Thank you for joining us today. You may disconnect.